When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Unconventional Gal, Forging Your Own Path, with me, your host, Cherokee. So usually this would be the week that I would have a guest. I do not have a guest this week because I have been insanely busy, and I just haven't had time to wrangle up a guest. So my idea that I presented, I think before the holidays, was that on the weeks that I did not have a guest, maybe doing just like a life update slash pop culture talk slash just chatting with you friends of mine. I figured better to do that than to not put out an episode. So let me know how you feel about this episode. Is it better to have ramblings or is it better to have nothing at all? I guess we will find out after this episode is done. The other thing I was thinking with this type of episode, I know on some of the podcasts I listen to, they take voicemails. So right now I'm just taking your questions randomly from social media. But if you guys want to send me voicemails, whether it's just giving me feedback or asking me questions or whatever it is for my future life rambling episodes, please do. My number is 818-640-7188. Leave me a voicemail. Leave me a text. You can also still submit via social media as well, but I think it would be fun to actually put your guys' voices on these episodes and... Yeah, so we'll see. I think it'll be like a Cherry's Confessional to see if we actually get some of them on there. Which, speaking of Cherry's Confessional, I have two confessionals this week. I'm so excited. So I got two confessionals like back to back and then nothing. So maybe after this episode airs, you guys will send me your confessionals. So if you do not know what Cherry's Confessional is, basically is you telling me your deep, dark secrets, things that have haunted you your whole life that you need to get off your chest. Could be silly, could be dark, could be serious, could be whatever. So I have two this week. The first one actually is from Tosh Karuana. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. She said she did not need to be anonymous. So there you go. There's your name. And she said that it's just kind of funny when she looks back. So it doesn't have to be anonymous. But just so you know, in the future, uh, if you do send me a Cherry's Confessional, I am happy to make them anonymous. And if you send them to me via text, all I get is a number attached. I don't get a name anyways. So I don't know who you are anyways. So Tosh says, when I was 14, my My mom, I'm Australian, had this moisturizing cream that I loved and I always used to use it. I actually took it with me to school so I could use it during the day and I put it in my locker. I forgot about it and I got home. My mom was really mad. She wanted her moisturizer and she made my sister and I look for it. I was way too scared to tell her that I had used it and left it at school, so I pretended to look for it. The next day, I brought it home and was like, oh, look what I found. She still doesn't know. (laughs) Also, I found a random pair of shoes in my stuff when I moved house about three years ago. I didn't think anything of it. Then my sister told me that my mom had said my stepsister stole her shoes and was really mad. I have a feeling these might be hers, even though I have no idea how they got packed. I probably should give those shoes back to her, but I keep forgetting. So you are a unintentional thief, but I like it. I like that that's your deep, dark secret. Oh, the seediness of stealing your mother's moisturizer (laughs) and then 
bringing it home and planting it as if you had never stolen it in the first place. I'm assuming this moisturizer is like something fancy and not just like a bottle of Jergens or something. But in my heart, I'm kind of hoping it's just a bottle of Jergens. So there's like all of this hullabaloo for a very cheap bottle of moisturizer. So thank you for your submission. My next Cherry's Confessional submission this week, this one is anonymous. Anonymous says, my childhood best friend did me real dirty in high school. I finally got my first boyfriend and she decided she wanted him and he broke up with me to be with her. We belong to the same country club. It just makes more sense for me to be with her. It was devastating. My retribution was to go to Blockbuster and rent the max amount of movies I could daily under her family's account with zero intention of returning them. I now have a small collection of Blockbuster DVDs that I cherish in a bittersweet way. First of all, I didn't even know Blockbuster did DVDs. I worked at Blockbuster when I was in high school. I guess maybe towards the end they did DVDs. That part blew my mind. Second of all, just so you know, when if anybody that is listening is in high school or you want to get back at somebody by doing something to their family. <laughs> I remember I had a neighbor. Her name was Rochelle. Poor Rochelle. I'm so sorry if you are out there somewhere listening. I don't even know why we did this. Me and my middle school friends were probably just being mean girl assholes. I don't even remember why there was beef, but she lived two houses away from me. So we ordered like 20 pizzas to her house and we waited until the door opened and we laughed and we thought it was so great. Well, I don't know if they were made to pay for them, but if they were, what we never thought about was that it wouldn't have been Rochelle that paid for them. It would have been her parents. So the retribution <laughs> for whatever we thought she had wronged us for was actually paid for by her parents. So she didn't even actually have to pay. So same thing with the Blockbuster thing. I do have to tell you uh, from being somebody that worked at Blockbuster, when we would have people that had phenomenal late fees like that, generally we would remove them. I also do remember during Y2K when it went from 99 to 2000 blockbuster fees like something happened in their system and the fees were like a million dollars all right so thank you guys for your cherries confessional those were super fun if anyone wants to sponsor a future podcast episode please email me or text me or let me know i'm always happy to have new podcast sponsors and my sponsorship rates are very reasonable this week, I'm basically just going to talk. I'm going to talk about my life. I'm going to talk about what's going on. I'm talk about all the crap I'm watching on TV. I am on my maybe like 17th puzzle. I'm doing a puzzle right now. It is a sewing scene. It's actually kind of easy. I think I'm going to finish it pretty fast. The last puzzle I did was an ocean scene and it was so much blue that it took forever. So I just needed like a brain break. But I find puzzles to be very soothing. I put them on. I put them on. I do not put them on. I put the TV on while I do my puzzle and I drink a glass of wine or I eat a piece of chocolate or eight pieces of chocolate. And I actually just finished binging Gossip Girl, which I think I would talk about in previous podcasts. Finished that. So now I'm on Married at First Sight. If you guys have not watched the show, your life has a big empty hole in it. So I guess they're airing love. What is it? Marriage, marriage at First Sight? Shit, I just said it and now I already forgot the name of the show. Yeah, Married at First Sight. <laughs> I'm losing it, people. It actually was just raining and thundering, which is really weird for LA. So I think that just kind of put my whole vibe in a spin. But anyway, so I've been watching this Married at First Sight show and I realized they have Married at First Sight Australia. I think they're re-airing it. So it's coming out week by week. I think I'm on like the eighth episode. It's The format is a little bit different from the American Married at First Sight and I actually like it better the Australian version so I don't know as the American version gets more into seasons I only just finished the first season but 
I'm very excited. I always get very excited when I discover a new horrible reality show that has lots of seasons that I can binge. I did it with Love Island. I did it with 90 Day Fiance and 90 Day Fiance the other way and 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days and 90 Day Fiance what now and 90 Day Fiance happily ever after. (laughs) It's a wonder I get any work done. Actually, so the reason that I like these horrible reality shows is because I work a lot at home whether it's like computer work or filing, you know, paperwork for my studio or listing vintage clothes or I don't know, doing my social media catch-ups and all of that. I just do a lot of work from home. And while I'm working, I like to have just like background noise, like something I can kind of drift in and out of. So I'm also watching The Queen right now. No, not The Queen, The Crown. (laughs) I just got back into it, but that's a show you really have to pay attention to. So when I'm taking pictures of clothes, I'll watch The Crown because my mind is only on the show. But if I'm doing anything else that I'm sort of multitasking, I need mindless babble. I cannot handle the Kardashians. One, I just kind of hate everything the Kardashians represent, but I also can't stand their voices. So Kardashians are out. The other one I can't do is The Bachelor. I don't know why The Bachelor, it's not even that I don't like it. I don't think I've ever watched an episode, but it just doesn't appeal to me. I actually did watch the show, I think it's called Unreal, which was a drama show, and it was sort of based on the behind the scenes of a Bachelor-type show. But it was, like, very dramatic. Like, lots of people died, and people got pregnant, and I don't know, other dramatic things. I can't think of more dramatic things right now, but I'm sure there were plenty of them. So I liked that show. But yeah, the Kardashians and The Bachelor. I also, I want to I want to like Below Deck. I feel like when I get really desperate and I get power through all of the other stuff I have in my queue, that will be the next one. But I haven't gotten the like chutzpah to get my butt to watch that show either. If you guys have any recommendations for horrible reality shows that you can binge, I don't have live TV, but I do have Hulu Live and I do have Netflix and I do have Amazon Prime and I do have HBO Max. And I do have Disney Plus, (laughs) so I don't have TV, but I might as well. So if you guys know of any shows, like bad reality shows that I can just put on or even Gossip Girl type shows, like that was another that I would just binge because I didn't really have to pay attention to it. I've already done Felicity eight times. I've done Gilmore Girls a million times, but I'm always happy to hear recommendations for not good shows, like subpar to horrible shows that I can just listen to in the background while I'm working. I, I'm already on the good shows. I already have too long of a list of good shows and I don't have any actual free time. So it's hard for me to keep up with watching those. So this week I've been watching all of these horrible shows and it's been raining and cold. So I decided, so my favorite matzo ball soup is from a deli in LA called Cantor's Deli. But if, as far as I know, Cantor's is closed. And there's a couple good Jewish delis in LA, but also matzo ball soup's expensive. Like a big giant bowl of matzo ball soup can be like 15 bucks and that's freaking expensive for soup. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff in my pressure cooker and make some bone broth. So I did. I made bone broth out of like a super delicious, glamorous chicken carcass and a bunch of vegetables and garlic. And then I made homemade matzo ball soup with veggies and chicken and it was freaking delicious. And let me tell you, James does not like matzo ball soup. I had to talk him into trying it. I think the smell in the house brought him to the dark side because it smelled so good. 
And he actually loved it. He thought it was delicious. So I now have two little tubs of it waiting in my freezer for me when I get sick. They do call it Jewish penicillin, I think for a reason. I think really it's just like soul soothing, but also especially when you make it with homemade bone broth, you get um, all of the health benefits from the gross stuff in the bones. I'm sorry if anybody that is listening is vegan. But also they say that there's something in chicken broth that does actually soothe your throat when you have a sore throat or have a cough. So I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I will keep you guys posted if and when I do get sick. Oddly enough, I have not been sick. I guess not oddly enough at all. It makes perfect sense. I have not been sick since January of last year because COVID happened in early March and then I never left my house and I wash my hands excessively and wear a mask and well now I'm vaccinated but I haven't even had any kind of sickness like besides like maybe a tummy ache so I feel like when I do get a cold I'm gonna be like the biggest sissy wimp in the history of the world because I'm not used to being sick anymore I never really got sick all that much before I think I have a strong immune system because I travel so much so I'm exposed to a lot of germs and so I think that's sort of built up my antibodies and my immune system, but I don't travel that much anymore. So my immune system is like on vacation in Aruba somewhere sitting under an umbrella. And I guess we'll wait and see when I get sick. But the good thing is I have those tubs of matzo ball soup waiting for me in my freezer, just ready to be defrosted and consumed. Very exciting things happening in my personal life. I, again, I think I might've talked about this in previous podcasts, but and talk about it more today because I'm very excited. I've started tattooing eyebrows and also doing tattoo removal. So I opened my studio in Glendale, California, my skincare studio um, in the spring, not the spring, not the spring at all, in the fall of last year and was doing facials and had some closures and reopenings and closures and reopenings. And in the meantime, I took, oh, there's a little beetle on my computer. Excuse me, sir. Oh, wait, I think it's a ladybug what in tarnation? Okay. So I'm laying in my bed and have my computer on my lap and there's a ladybug and it's March and it just rained. I don't know what is happening. It's the apocalypse, my friends. Anyways. So I took some cosmetic tattooing courses and learned liner lips, brows. And then I also learned tattoo removal and so I've been just practicing all of this time and I just finally opened up for services. So I've been doing brows now for a few months. I just started doing removal and I'm just about to start doing liner. So I'm very, very excited. It's funny when you kind of feel like you find your sort of, I don't want to say hole. I found my, my little divot in the world that I fit into. I feel like I'm good at cosmetic tattooing. I feel like I really love doing it. I feel like I love making my clients feel confident. It just feels like I'm on the right path and I feel very content in my professional life right now and in my career path. And also with tattoo removal, doing that, it's such a, I mean, giving somebody brows is very rewarding because most of my clients that come to me either have really light eyebrows, they over tweezed, they have no eyebrows or whatever, for whatever reason. Or I have clients too that have really thick brows and they just want them shaped. But generally, it's kind of a life-changing thing. And I've also done some color corrections on people that have had bad permanent makeup in the past. But with tattoo removal, it's such a different thing. I just had a client the other day that came and she had she had, had microblading six years ago. 
And it had turned like dark, dark, dark gray, like almost black, but like with a very strong gray tint. So they almost look blue. And she's been wearing these poor eyebrows for six years. And so she was so excited to have them removed. And now she just waits until, you know, they start to peel and see where we're at. And she might have to have a couple of sessions, but just feeling that like you're, you have this partnership with your client and you're doing something that's really changing their life. So if anybody is in California and you want some permanent makeup or you want a tattoo removed, please know I cannot remove large tattoos. I've been getting so many emails from people like, remove my back piece. I do non-laser tattoo removal. So it is done with saline. So it's just a liquid saline solution that is made for removal. It's not just like contact solution. And I use my machine with the needles in the same way that I do tattooing. But because of that, it creates a pretty formidable scab because the scab is what's pulling the ink or the pigment out of your skin. And be also because of that, if you do it on really big sections, you're risking infection. So I can only really do it on, you know, small hand tattoos, fingers, little feet tattoos, face tattoos, old cosmetic tattooing. I can do it on eyeliner. There's a lot of places I can do it and I can pretty much do it on any place. It just depends on the size. So if it's more than a couple of inches big, then it's too big for my type of removal. But if you do, if you are interested in it, please check out my website. It is skinbycherokee.com. And I also do vintage glam and I don't know, I do a, kind of a little bit of everything. If it's related to beauty or unconventional beauty, odds are it is a service I provide at my studio. So come see me and also know that I am fully vaccinated and I keep everything very safe and very clean in my studio. I only see one client at a time, only a couple of clients a day. Oh, so speaking of my studio, this is so strange for me and I know it's going to sound strange to so many of you because it is strange to me, but I haven't worked a normal quote unquote, like job at home for so many years, like probably seven years that didn't involve touring that it's really weird, but great just getting in the groove of having a home job. It's not that I have a day job because I do also have weird hours still and I work weekends and stuff sometimes. So it's not like that it's a nine to five, but just the normalcy of like, okay, I'm going to wake up and get ready and go to my studio and see some clients and then I'm going to come home and make dinner. This is so weird to me, you guys. It's so weird and so great. It's so James also is, he is a technical director at a venue in Hollywood and they're doing a, a Rock of Ages streaming event. So he's been working normal hours too. So it's funny in the morning, like, all right, see you later, honey. Not that we call each other, honey. That's super gross. But we like leave at our respective times and then come home and I make dinner and then he comes home and we eat and... I can't tell you, for most people, when you get a routine, you get into a rut. But him and I have waited and prayed and hoped and struggled and fought to have at-home jobs and a normal routine. So having it now is just like, I like giggle in excitement at just the routine of eating dinner and doing my puzzle. <laughs> like all the things that most people take for granted. Traveling for for your work is great. But I do think it has a shelf life for most people. And um, I still travel a little bit. I'm going to go actually do some shoots in Sacramento next weekend and some shoots in Phoenix. Oh, also, if anybody who is listening is interested in permanent makeup or removal, 
I am actually going to be in Phoenix. It's going to be my first travel stop. I'm going out there in May for some shoots. And so I thought I would just stay a few extra days and see if anyone would be interested in getting tattooed. So if anybody listening is in Phoenix and interested, just email me. My email is theonlycherrydollface at gmail.com. It's in the show notes below. Also, my skincare website will be linked in the show notes below as well. I'm actually pointing down <laughs> right now because I'm so used to making YouTube videos where I'm like, oh, in the description below. And then you point down like a stupid jerk. Even though everybody knows where to look for the description, like you're not being very helpful by pointing in a very obvious direction. I don't know. I just did it. I'm a stupid jerk. Now I'm going to take some of your guys' questions. I just, so when I do these off weeks where I'm just kind of chatting, I just asked you guys for just random questions, like any question that you've got. And I picked the ones I thought were the most interesting. So these are just kind of for me personally about me, about my life. I don't know if this is even interesting. I don't know if I'm being very narcissistic in this episode. (laughs) But you know what? At some point, you're going to run out of topics to talk about. So these are going to have to be the fun in-betweeners. And I I have to say, I listen to a few podcasts and some of my favorite episodes are the ones where they just ramble. I actually listened to one Forever 35 and they have like longer episodes and they have guests and stuff, but they do mini episodes and I only listen to the mini episodes. And it's just the two of them just like talking about whatever that week. So I find these episodes enjoyable and it's my podcast. So (laughs) too bad okay so first question is from at camden 269 do you prefer modern or vintage cars and do you own a vintage one so i like to look at vintage cars little known fact i actually used to co-own a hot rod shop custom and hot rod shop in when i still live in portland with my ex so i kind of lived that life that's the whole reason that the pan up modeling thing started was because i was in the car world so i owned a 59 galaxy uh he owned all kinds of, he had a 36 Ford and a 51 pickup truck. And we always had cars. We always drove cars, but the 59 Galaxy was mine. It's definitely a fun novelty, but I think, well, one, depending on where you live. So, you know, if you live in a place that has weather, driving those cars when it's snowing can be really dangerous. Or when it's really, really hot, they overheat really easily. The thing with old cars is that they were built to last body-wise, but the engines aren't so great. So, there's always problems. They're always breaking down. So I've never really thought about having an old car in LA just because the traffic is so bad. You're just going to overheat everywhere you go. Parking a giant boat is really difficult in this city. And also there's not a lot of street parking or a garage space. So just finding a place to store it where it's not going to get broken into, stolen, damaged, or just like, you know, have the elements beat down on it. I would not own a vintage car again, unless I somehow like struck it rich and had lots of storage and a place to keep it. So it could be like my fun car. I mean, I don't know if I prefer either one. I like both for different reasons, but for an everyday driver, definitely a modern car. I drive a Mazda 3. I actually just got a new one, a 2021, and it feels like a freaking spaceship. At Ross, Rossman Megan asks, what is your favorite food? And my answer to this question is yes. <laughs> I just really like food. I think that I'm I don't think. I know that I'm a picky eater. So I think in general, I enjoy food just in general, but then there's lots of picky things that I don't like. I've talked about before my my food hates, my pet hates. So onions, raisins, mushrooms, anything real mushy like tofu. I don't like fake meat, seitan, fake chicken. <sighs> what else do I not like? Ground beef, fish, anything really. If it lives in the water, I don't like it. So anything outside of that, I love. I love Mexican food. I love Italian food. 
I love Indian food. I love Middle Eastern food. Greek food's a little tough for me. Oh, I also don't like stinky cheeses. So like feta, goat cheese, gorgonzola, blue cheese are no. So Greek food is a little tough for me because there's tons of onions and tons of feta in a lot of that food. But like Greek meats, I love. What else do I love? I love pizza. I love soups and sandwiches, like just like plain ass old American food. I love diner food grilled cheese sandwiches, mac and cheese, comfort food. I love my favorite thing my mom makes is fried chicken and mashed potatoes, chicken pot pie, any meat pie really, normal pie. I love sweets. Oh my God, any baked good as long as it doesn't have raisins in it. I will eat pretty much anything. Um, I don't like fondant or marzipan very much. I don't like almond flavor. But besides that, if it's like a cake, a cookie, a cupcake, um, a croissant, I'm making myself hungry with this. So yes, your the answer to what is my favorite food, it is basically food is my favorite food. At Tina Turner Overdrive, this is actually my friend Rachel. She said, what was the hardest part of opening up your business? I had a, a pretty good saving, so I wasn't really stressed with money and I didn't have to take any loans, which I think sometimes can be the biggest stress and the hardest part with business. But for me, it was just all of the paperwork and bank account and licensing. And, you know, I had to get like my business license, but then I also had to get my esthetician license and then my tattooing license and then my facility license for tattooing from the health department, but then also my establishment license for doing facials from the board of barbering. And it was just like so much paperwork and then filing a DBA. And also keep in mind, I had to do all of this during COVID, like the depths of COVID when no offices were open. So it all had to be done through mail. I had to get so many things notarized. Like I'm buddies with my notary now. She just has me come to her house and sit at her dining room table <laughs> when she notarizes my stuff now. So I think that was probably the hardest part of opening the business. And then, you know, there's also always the unknown of like, is this going to succeed? Is it going to fail? Oh shit, what if it fails? And you get your, like your mind gets in that loop of like, if this doesn't work, what am I going to do? Um, but I think if you have hustle in you, it it all works out. For me, it's like just pivoting. And that's always been kind of just what I've done anyways in my business and in being Cherry Dollface and in, in everything I've done professionally. So I think if you're just brave and you know how to pivot and you keep a good head on your shoulders and you keep realistic, like don't just go out there and invest a ton of money in a business if you don't have any clients or if you don't really know what you're doing yet or you know, there's definitely a smart way to, to open a business and then there's a not as smart way to open a business. At CatMD03 asked, how are you holding up lately? And thank you, Cat, for asking this. I'm actually holding up pretty darn well. I have some things going on in my personal life, just like family stuff that's a little stressful. But my home life, like James and I couldn't be better my studio is amazing. My clients are amazing. My friends are great. And finally now with things starting to open and people being vaccinated, I'm starting to like have friend times, which really helps the mental health. So yeah, things are good. Things are good. At Melody, Jane B asked, what's number one on your bucket list? Oh, I have so many things on my bucket list. Mostly just travel. I want to see the whole world. Well, as much of the world as is safe for me to see as a female and as an American. But yeah, I, I've been to so many countries. I think I did a count. It was like 30 something. And I, I want to go to more. I want to see more. I want to experience more. I want to eat the food, talk to people and learn the politics and the healthcare and travel. Travel is number one on my list. 
I don't think there's really anything else that's like, I have to do it before I die. It's really like everything I can think of is like, I have to see this thing. I have to see this thing or this place. It's all just places. It's all travel. At Harley Poison Ivy 87 asks, have you ever lost your hair while your depression is in the highest point? This is a really good question. I also, disclaimer, have very, very thick hair. So if I do lose hair, it's not as noticeable. Years ago, I actually went off of birth control. And when I went off of birth control, for some reason, my body kind of went into shock and I lost a bunch of weight really quickly. And because of that, I guess if you lose weight really quickly, my period stopped and my hair started falling out a ton. And it was just my body basically trying to preserve itself. I don't know why it happens. It just does. It's like you'll find sometimes like with women that become gymnasts or athletes really young because they're pushing their bodies so hard, the same thing will happen. Um, so because my or because I had gone off of birth control, it threw my hormones out of whack. And then I did notice I was losing hair. It wasn't so much I noticed on my head, but when I would take sh a shower, I would have like big clumps of hair. But also I only, because my hair is colored and also because my hair is really short, I only wash it like twice a week maybe. So when I do wash it, a lot of hair comes out because, you know, it's very infrequent. So not that I have noticed and I don't think that my depression manifests itself that way physically in my body just so you know. I'm also a depressive eater. So a lot of people, when they get depressed, they lose weight. And I do the opposite. I gain when I am depressed. So I think it just depends on how your, your depression manifests. It is very normal if that happens. So if it is happening and you are depressed, it is normal. There are things you can do. There's You can use minoxidil on your hair. There's also nioxin, which is a, a hair... Basically, it's a hair system. It was created for people with cancer that were going through chemo to help grow back your hair more quickly and to make your hair look thicker. It's also really great for those of you guys that have like really, really fine or thinning hair. Make sure if you get nioxin, you get the shampoo, the conditioner, and also the treatment because some people don't realize it's a three-part process. So that is really great. You can also do, you know, like biotin hair supplements, that kind of thing. But just know if you are losing your hair because of depression, it is very normal. And generally it will come back. It's just because you're having hormonal swings or, you know, your cortisol levels are changing. So it's likely that it won't be forever. But, you know, also alopecia can happen as well when you're really stressed. And if you're depressed, you can, it can make you really stressed. And alopecia is when you just actually lose like chunks of hair. But again, alopecia, sometimes people will have permanent alopecia, but a lot of the times it will also come back. So see your doctor if you're experiencing hair loss just to, you know, find your options. At Tiffany underscore A underscore Shooter asked, how do you feel changing from your red hair that you were known for to different colors? I'm known for my purple hair, but I'm a bit over it, but feel anxious about changing it for some reason. So for a long time, if anybody has been following me, like my old school followers, when I was like MySpace days, I had red, like orange, red, copper, red hair with a blonde streak in the front and a blonde streak underneath the back. And that was my hair for like a long time, like five or six years. I did not change my hair. That was like what made me cherry doll face. It's how people recognize me. And one day, kind of on accident, I started kind of messing, playing around with the blonde, but I had my hair done and it all turned red, like candy apple red. And the blonde was covered. And then I was kind of like, oh, hey, look, I'm still me and people still recognize me. And this is actually kind of fun. And after I did that, I had no like connection to that orange blonde hair that I had. And it's still kind of known, like people still call it like 
old school cherry doll face hair. I never went back to it. And then I did every color in the book. I did pinks and purples and I did orange and like fire colored hair. And then now I'm blue and I've been green and teal. It's funny because I think people really remember me as being a redhead, but in the scope of cherry doll face, I was only really a redhead for like a third of that. And in between, I was like pinks and purples and all these other colors. But I think it's just that just stuck. So just so you know, people will still associate you with their with your purple hair, even when you change it. But it doesn't mean that you won't be recognized or you won't be you. And also don't hold on to a hair color because you think it's what's expected of you because that's just silly and life is too dang short. At fit underscore pinup underscore Val said, what is your biggest fear in life? I think you asked me a question last week. My biggest fear in life is losing the people that I love really. Like my like sort of superficial fear is claustrophobia. I'm intensely claustrophobic. Like I even have a hard time sometimes swimming underwater. I had a hard time learning how to snorkel. I can't sleep with anything covering my face. Even like eye masks kind of freak me out. If I'm hugging James and he puts my face into his chest, that freaks me out. Like I'm very, can't have my face covered, can't feel like I can't breathe. If I watch something on TV where someone's being like buried alive, it gives me like anxiety attacks. It's it's pretty intense. So that's like my superficial fear. But I think bigger than that is just the fear of losing people that I love, especially because I feel like the people in my inner inner circle are very few. And so the thought of losing one of them is I actually give myself anxiety about it. Like with with James, like if he doesn't eat right or if he doesn't exercise or if he doesn't do the things that I know will ensure a long life, then I get this anxiety of like, he's going to die young and he's going to leave me alone. And it's like becomes this like very intensely anxiety producing thing. At Rosie underscore Posey 77 asks, the whole Dr. Seuss thing, I haven't looked into it. So this is my last question. And this is kind of like the current event that, is happening right now. It's probably going to be a little after the fact once you guys listen to this. But um, for those that don't know, Dr. Seuss's family who own the rights to his books, they decided to unpublish or stop publishing six of his books because there were questionable subjects in them. I think most of them were racial insensitivity. So just racial stereotypes. I think there was one that was like, an Asian character that had like chopsticks or something. I haven't seen them, so I don't know how, I don't know, inflammatory they actually are. My perspective on it, you know, people are getting so upset about it. None of the six books that were taken out were like Green Eggs and Ham or The Lorax or any of the ones that we even know. I had never even heard of the six that were unpublished. Also, it's not cancel culture. I think everybody's been saying this is like, oh, it's cancel culture. His family that owns the rights were the ones that decided, that made this decision under no pressure. There was nothing in the media. There was no witch hunt or nothing. Like just out of nowhere, they said, we think it's right. We're going to stop publishing these. Okay, great. It, it doesn't affect anybody. It doesn't change anyone's childhoods. I think times change and it's not that those books never existed. And the ones that are still out there in print still exists. It's not like they're calling for burning of the books. But I I think it was probably the right decision to make to stop printing them because why would you want to print something that could potentially hurt someone? Especially, you know, the Asian kid that is reading that and going, ouch, like that's my culture and my family. I just think that there's, what's the harm in trying to save somebody's feelings and trying to protect somebody's culture? 
I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think people should be so upset that his family decided to stop publishing these books. I think it's actually kind of silly that it's even an issue. So that is my perspective on that. And with that being said, that is my last question for the week. So I hope you guys like this sort of unconventional, unconventional episode. And if you um, like these fill-in episodes and you want to see them in the future, please send me a message and let me know. If you hate it and you would rather nothing and just have an off week, <laughs> I, can, I can do that too. It'd be less work for me. But I do like talking to you guys and chatting and feeling like we're connecting. And I do get so much feedback. So it makes me feel like you guys kind of look forward to just... I don't know, maybe hearing, hearing the soothing voice of Cherry Dollface every week. Anyways, that is all I have for y'all this week. Uh, be sure to follow me on my socials. I am at the Cherry Dollface on everything. And don't be an asshole. And until next time, here's me waving like a maniac.